Hello and welcome to episode 14 of season three of the Connect2 podcast. I am the recovering from COVID. In, uh, uh, Jeff Cullen. <laughs> I'm having You're still blank. Jeff Cullen. I'm still Jeff Cullen. I have my COVID booster on Monday and it's, uh, it's kicked the snot out of me a little bit. A little bit. Not not compared to getting COVID, but it's giving me a mad headache. And apparently, I'm I'm losing my ability to speak cogently. So it should be a good episode. Of course. How are you, Mark? I'm doing okay. I uh, also got I got the double dose. I got the flu and the COVID booster. Ooh. Did you see? I had the option. You could I could have picked uh, shingles, RSV. I think I could have got like five shots at once. Um, really? I think, well, I don't know. You could have pick all these options. I don't know if they'd give them all of you, all of them to you at the same time. Imagine the, uh, potential side effects of that would be quite interesting. So anyhow, yeah, just headachey. And yesterday my arm was sore. It's better now, but still beats the hell out of getting COVID. Yeah, that's, uh, well, that's true. And, and I, I know a number of people, not directly, but kind of, indirectly or or like one step away from who have gotten this uh, latest round of covid and uh struggled have been struggling quite a bit yes a bit of bit of bad covid you're not really Mm. hearing anything about icus or anything like that but i'm not sure that uh, our provincial government would even want to report it kept kept in the dark yes yeah i i had a really interesting well let's uh let's talk about our coffee so we have coffee today it's good coffee if you're new to the channel rate review and subscribe check us out on itunes or spotify or google Podcasts. we're on all of them um so um not always easy to find because uh, connect to is kind of connect is a common phrase in podcasts i guess but um but Check us out. Uh, today's coffee is from Rwanda. It's from the This Coffee Company oh. out of Toronto. And I have to say, this is a very nice cup of coffee. Did you, did you try it? I've had the first sip, and, and yeah, it's quite nice. Tasting notes are chocolate milk, salted caramel, and Rainier cherry. You know, I, you know I've had Rainier cherry. I've had regular cherry. I'm not sure I could tell the difference between the two, except if I had them side by side, but... There you go. Um, Rwanda. Apparently, Rwanda is an unusual coffee um, place to get coffee from, particularly good coffee. This coffee, though, is um, supposed to have deep chocolate forward notes. And most what Ru- is a forward note? You kind As of, opposed you, to like an aftertaste? You kind of see it at, yeah, at the beginning instead of at the end. I, I really do chase this chocolate milk thing. Which is quite interesting. Anyway, here's a scoop. Um, dad jokes. <laughs> in in honor of uh, COVID uh, immunization, I just did a quick Google search here, and amazingly enough, I found COVID nineteen dad jokes. Breaking news: Apparently, the first man in Melbourne has died of the COVID vaccine of the COVID virus. Oh yeah. In his house, they found a thousand cans of food, fifty kilos of pasta, eighty kilos of rice. 300 toilet rolls and 50 liters of hand sanitizer, which he had panic purchased from the supermarket and stockpiled just in case. Then the whole lot collapsed and fell on him. 
<laughs> man is flying in a hot air balloon and he realizes that he's lost. So he reduces height and spots a man below. He lowers the balloon even further and shouts, excuse me, can you tell me where I am? The man says, yes, you're in a hot air balloon hovering 30 feet above oh, the field. I've heard this, yeah. You must be an engineer, the balloonist said. <laughs> I am, replies the man. How do you know? Well, said the balloonist, everything you told me is technically correct, but it's of no use to anyone. The man below says, you must be a management. I am, replied the balloonist. How did you know? Well, says the man, you don't know where you are, or where you're going, but you expect me to help. You're in the same position you were before we met. Now it's my fault. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Here's uh, two more quick COVID ones. Sure. Uh, they said that a mask and gloves were enough to go to the supermarket safely. They lied. Everybody else had clothes on, too. <laughs> and the number one COVID-based joke. I used to cough to cover a fart. Now I fart to cover a cough. <laughs> it was funny this morning. My dog, uh, one of my dogs, so Mocha, who's three, three and a bit, she she walked up to me. It was dark. She walked up and she just gave me a poke. And, and, I, and I'm not really awake. And then I hear this <laughs> a fart. And I'm going, oh, oh shit, I got to go. <laughs> so I got her out and she had, to, she had to. But it was like her her thing to me was just like poke and then a fart. <laughs> this funny. little tiny fart. I, I've never had a dog that has made noise farting i've 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 uh, really i've smelled lots of farts yeah, yeah. but i've not heard them interesting so uh, i don't know if it's their indy, diet or what. yeah indy occasionally will will we'll hear him fart very mm. rarely but every now and then and it is quite funny right <laughs> they don't have butt cheeks well so. and the first uh the first time i i heard it was well it's kind of like uh first time she she farted it was kind of like she turned like, what was that <laughs> And turned and yeah. looking to try and figure out what was going on. Um, so, what did uh, what you learn this week? Well, I just I just learned something. F now, this has not been verified, so take it with a grain of salt. But talking about ancient world and you know our misconceptions of how things are. Okay, so here is a claim uh, from the internet. So, like I say, it needs to be verified. But apparently. Abu Kari II, the Mariner Prince of Mali, traveled to America in 1311 and traded with indigenous people. He never claimed to have discovered America because he knew it was already there. And then it followed up with a description of Columbus and apparently the uh, some of the indigenous folks had told Columbus that they, they had been trading with people from with dark people from across the ocean for centuries. And apparently they found that some of the gold um, that they found in South America has uh, origins in Central Africa. So another example of, you know, revisionist history where we think, oh, yeah, we discovered America. And they were like, well, first of all, we were already here. You didn't discover nothing. And uh, we've already been dealing with people from your part of the world for a long time. The Vikings, of course. Now it turns out people from Africa. So not such a big discovery after all. <laughs> uh, well, what, what? Despite it... my favorite Bugs Bunny cartoon. <laughs> 
Um, I discovered America. Hey, Bugs Bunny, who discovered America? <laughs> okay, Chris. <laughs> um, what did I learn? I learned that. So I saw an interesting video specifically about Ganymede. Now I think we had talked uh, about it. That's the moon of Mars, right? A, no, it's a moon. Of, oh, uh, Jupiter. Uh, Jupiter. It's actually right. the largest moon in in uh, uh, the solar system. It Isn't is it bigger than Mercury. Hmm? Isn't that irregularly shaped? No. Oh, I thought it was. No, but the other thing that makes Ganymede unique, it is the only moon with a magnetic field, its own magnetic really? field. Interesting. Yeah. And uh, it, it was a lot of Ganymede in uh, the Expanse. Recall. The Expanse. It was a in the Expanse. It was a place that uh, where a lot of farming was done right through the use of mirrors. Lots of yes, mirrors. that's right. That big base. So, what have you discovered about Ganymede? Well, so Ganymede, it uh, it has a uh, uh, magnetic uh, field, so yep. that actually makes it kind of better suited to protect against solar storms. Mm. The second thing is that it actually uh, it um, so it probably has a molten uh, metal core. Sounds that, familiar. That's how it has a magnetic sphere because that's yep. kind of the issue between earth and mars mars does not have a has a very very weak magnetic field and they believe that it's so weak because it doesn't have a liquid core like earth does now did it used to but it it's may, just may sort have of... may have at one point in time right um and um huh what how so, old mars is i don't know probably as old as all the other planets wouldn't it why don't they all formed at the same time i don't know and uh, the um, and Ganymede apparently has like a a um, a crust of ice and then liquid water water really that is a hundred kilometers thick. So the there is a hundred kilometer thick layer of water frozen li or liquid? liquid water. Wow! That uh, is just below this ice surface, and uh, it apparently has more water than Earth does. Even though Earth is quite a bit bigger. And, uh, you know, so they're quite hopeful. Now we know where we're going to get our water when we finally screwed up all the water on Earth. Well, that's true. You could use it for Mission to Ganymede. Mission to Ganymede. So, um, and... The, Take the water. If, and if there's shit living there, too bad. We're taking the water. Well, and the surface temperature is quite cold. It's like 171 oh, degrees below right? zero. It's pretty cold on the oh, surface. Oh, bugs Who oh, bugs discovered the Ganymede? <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, so that's a hundred kilometers thick water layer or water deep, layer. I guess yeah. if it would be an ocean. Uh, but they yeah, don't know because like know. our Earth ocean is what it's. It's like is it twenty thousand feet at the at at the absolute, no, yeah. maybe a little bit deeper than that. Like the Marianas Trench is the deepest part of the ocean, right? Well, it's easy enough. And to it's figure. taller than, is that taller than Everest? Uh, yes, I believe it is. So Everest is just under 30,000 feet. I think we're talking like 10 miles or something like that. So, yeah. Anyway, the the thing about it, uh, yeah, it's no, it's it's ten kilometers, eleven eleven thousand, eleven thousand meters below sea level. 
Okay. So, about so that is the deepest. 33,000 feet. So it's almost the height of Everest is similar to the depth of the Marianas Trench. Yeah. I knew that. Give or take, you know, a couple, 3,000 meters. Yeah. yeah. Can you imagine the pressure at the bottom of, of that 100 kilometer deep water? Oh, jeez. Well, every 30 feet, every 30 there? feet, uh, 32 feet is one atmosphere, yeah. right? So every 10 meters. Yeah. So that's a lot of atmospheres. So do they think there's something living in it? They don't know yet? In Ganymede? Yeah. Well, they think like that anywhere rock. they've had water, there's always been life, at least on Earth. Right. Because no Europa, how... Europa is also frozen with, a, they think, a liquid ocean, yeah. right? Well, I think they... they with those thermal vents, yeah. which keep the water from freezing... Yeah. So it's quite interesting. Well, and apparently Ganymede like um, squishes all the time from uh, tidal because uh, it has an elliptical orbit around Jupiter. Right. So it, it often gets misshapen. Well, maybe this is what I was thinking. Yeah. As it goes yeah. around, uh, around uh, wow. Jupiter. Because so imagine the, uh, like the uh, internal, internal stresses pressure. and yes. forces. So there. That's part of the reason why they think it may have a liquid core and right. why it might be warmer. How long Jupiter. is its orbit? Do we know? Because um, Jupiter is mighty big. Yeah, I don't. I don't actually know. I do know that. Um, so the the two main spacecraft that went there previously were Galileo in '94, and and then uh, Janus, which is uh, no Juno, Juno, which is this one that's flying around Jupiter and will eventually. Uh, do a kamikaze bit into the clouds like they when they did um and it's quite interesting this juno one they didn't want to put a camera on it eventually but it's so some guy advocated for it very strongly that put a camera it's got all kinds of scientific instruments and right there's some technicalities about putting a camera on it because the magnetic um fields of jupiter are so strong and there's so much um it's so tough on spacecraft that they had to harden the space uh, the uh, the cameras quite yeah because i mean they're sensitive to radiation which sure. is in abundance around jupiter should have just taped an iphone to it <laughs> it's some duct tape there there you go like those little balloons yeah. where people put a little yeah um anyway so so uh they've got some spectacular photos and they were super interested in what's going on there yeah that the esa which is the european space agency has sent um a spaceship specifically to go explore ganymede um there's like uh, europa and callisto um uh, so it is intended it's called juice 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 and it has some sort of complicated acronym like i think they just uh, think of some jupiter jupiter something. unitary insertion i don't know whatever it's 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 yeah. specifically you know it is so amazing to me uh first of all i saw some pictures people took of is it jupiter right now that we can see and saturn so i just saw that this morning on facebook somebody managed to now obviously with some kind of telephoto but it was a it's a really clear picture of both planets. You can see the rings of Saturn and uh, some of the detail of Jupiter. And I'm like, this is amazing, right? This is just a, a photo taken 
not by NASA, but just somebody with with pretty decent oh, yeah. equipment. I was like, that's that's well, incredible. The, the, the stuff that you're getting and the ability to use AI to fix a lot of shit yeah. and stuff is pretty amazing. So it's called Whoops. the Ju- it's called the Jupiter Icy Moons Explorer uh, Juice, which is funny because the explanation is that it is juice uh, with uh, uppercase J and lowercase U I C E, and is formerly juice with them all uppercase there you go that's like interesting anyway so it is um it it launched just this year in april but it's going to take forever to get there yeah how long does it take to get the jupiter (laughs) it's going to be there in 2031 it takes that long to get to jupiter yeah so it is uh it's crazy they they launched it it's going to have four gravity assists 2031 so it takes four years to get there it's going to take four no, more than four years. It's to 2023. It launched oh, this yeah. year. Oh, yeah. So eight years. It's going to take eight uh, eight years to get there. That's just to get to Jupiter, but it won't be ready for uh, looking at the moons until 30, 34, three years later. So it's got these crazy um, orbital mechanics Man, to try we, and... We got to get faster if we're going to get something to the outer rim yeah it's, and <clears throat> right? it, they, i mean they needed some so the payload's only like 280 uh 80 kilograms but it needed six thousand uh kil, um, pounds sorry three thousand kilograms of chemical propellant in order to basically get it there and um but it uses this uh this crazy orbital uh insertion so it, it's gonna go it's gonna actually go to venus first like it's going these slingshots goes faster and faster with these orbital passes until eventually gets to uh, Ganymede and Callisto. Amazing. So it's, uh, it's crazy. Um, yeah. They have like a, um, if you go to Wikipedia, they actually have like a little um, video showing the, um, the trajectory and how many times it, it goes around. And there is apparently like some sort of asteroid that it's going to pass by that they may or may not look at as they pass by it. It's called Rosa 2032. No, Rosa 223. I'm always amazed at the amount of effort that they're going through to fake all this stuff. Because of course we know <laughs> they're, they're just lights on the big glass dome mm-hmm. that's over the flat earth, right? So yeah. they, put, they seem to put a lot of effort into faking this stuff. Yeah, so the the thing about it, when it arrives at Jupiter, it's going to be going so fast, it's too fast. So the next three years are basically going to be orbital mechanics to slow it down so it can actually get to to Ganymede. Right. You know, I I heard yesterday a really good argument. I mean, not that we need a good argument, but this was a good one as to why the people who think the moon landing was faked, you know, it doesn't make sense. And this was actually Bill Maher was debating a Candace Owens on his show or her show. And apparently Candace Owens is a, is a doubter. She's not fully saying the moon landing was fake, but she doubts it. Who? Oh, she's that she was on the apprentice and then she, no, no, not, that's not her. I don't know. She's some African American, yeah, I think she might have been on The Apprentice, and she was in Trump's orbit for a while. Oh, okay, I know and now she's become a like an ultra conservative commentator. Anyway, she was on Bill Maher, and uh, 
Bill Maher made the point. And again, these people are so stupid because first of all, she didn't know that we'd been back to the moon several times. She's like, well, if we went to the moon, why didn't we never go back? Bill Maher's like, we did go back. We went like several times, right? There's uh Apollo 17 was the last Apollo mission. Marosa. Nope. That's different. Oh, okay. Candace Owens. Candace Owens. Okay. Candace Owens. And then so her question was like, well, who, what are the names of these astronauts that went back then? And again, it was like, because you don't know who the astronauts were on Apollo like 12 and 14, you don't think it happened? Just stupid, right? Just dumb. But Bill's Mar Bill Mars point was the moon landing was tracked by other countries and particularly the Soviet Union. Like they were able to, even though they didn't go because of course they'd launched satellites, they were able to track with their satellites and, you know, the progress of the moon landing. So there's no way if it was fake that the Soviet Union wouldn't have called and probably bullshit. China, right? But it called bullshit. Of course. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Why? And, and <laughs> any opportunity it's fake. Exactly. Yeah. So just that alone, you know, indicates that we went, right? But it was yeah. like, well, we only went once. And he's like, no, we didn't. We went, like, well, Apollo 13 didn't make it, but Apollo 12, 14, 15, 16, 17. So we went back, what, five times? Yeah, we went to yeah. back a lot of times. Yeah. And I can't remember the name. One astronaut, I believe, went twice. Hmm. Uh, wasn't Gordon Cooper. One of them went twice. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, and I mean, uh, Artemis is being worked on. So Artemis 2 will take them around the moon and then they come back. They don't actually stop. We just go like, hey, first time we've been back. Get a fridge magnet. When's that supposed to launch? Get a fridge magnet. <laughs> and are we landing on the dark side this time? Uh, I don't actually know. That's a really good dark question. Dark side of the moon. Where all the moon bases are and things, <laughs> right? Exactly. Uh, where the, Artemis. Where the Empire has its secret base. So there's Artemis 1, 2, 3. I think it's, uh, oh, come on. Why is it not doing anything here? The Artemis plan. So there's, um, yeah, Artemis one was they sent a dummy there. Right. Um, was he a Republican? <laughs> nice. <laughs> Lord Vader, move the fleet to the dark side of the moon of Endor. The first, the first. You always hard on. You always hide the fleet. On the dark side. <laughs> yeah, so Artemis oh, Artemis yes, Artemis one was just to the moon, then Artemis two is crude, and then Artemis three they actually land. Is that really their logo? Wait a minute. Wait, and beyond? <laughs> oh my god. Artemis three and beyond. And be well, that would be <laughs> Artemis four. <laughs> ah. Right? There's uh what do they call this it? This is Commander Buzz Lightyear. Did you ever remember that TV show Space Above and Beyond? I actually quite Oh yeah. It, it was short lived. It but was short lived, but it what was, was the good. the Chigs. Oh yeah. Was, so that one was interesting because it was kind of like in some respects kind of realistic, right? Because they projected out twentieth century technology, right? And so they maintained, I mean, Battlestar Galactica was a little bit like that too, because they had, you know, chemical propulsion firearms. Yeah. And, but I remember that show being, yeah, you had the colonial Marines. And so a lot of the, 
symbology had continued on from, let's say, you know, uh, 20th century military, which is kind of probably how it would go, right? Mm -hmm. Now, we have a Canadian going on Artemis 1. Artemis 2. 2. Is that the one that's going to the moon? Yes. Uh, well, it's going around the moon. The moon, yeah. But we have a Canadian. Yeah, his name is Jeremy Hansen. Nice. He is a flight, a mission specialist. Mission specialist. It's mission. always very vague. So it's going to send four astronauts <laughs> into a lunar So three Americans flyby. and one Canuck. Yeah. Um, that uh, is awesome. The mission profile includes a multi-translunar injection. Wow. Or multiple departure We're burns. We're going to the moon, eh? <laughs> well, it's shocking how far the moon is away from the Earth. It's pretty far. Well, not compared to freaking Jupiter. No. You get to the moon in, was it four days? I think so. Yeah. Versus, what, eight years to get to Jupiter? Yeah. So the Eight years. It's uh, So, yeah, it's going to be eight years and then another three years to slow down enough to take a, take a look. Yeah. Right? Because then that's yeah. when they stop for the lunch the and the Slurpee. Jupiter moon mission. The next, like the man mission to Jupiter. Wow. We get, we're going to get faster. We're going to get... Yeah, it'll it'll only be Subs, seven years. Subspace rockets, like, <laughs> um, well, I think they've already figured out how to do it with the expanse. It's just figuring out the fuel, right? Mm -hmm. But that 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 was so cool with the rocket at the back to constantly accelerate, and then you flip the ship and then decelerate at the same rate. That was brilliant. <laughs> um, yeah, and then I presume by doing that you create that artificial gravity, right? Just with the thrust. So if you if you time like if you had the right calculation, yeah. Well, in uh, in the expanse, they often would talk about that, like uh, the the whatever it took to get out to get up to speed, you needed because there was always a limit in how fast you could go, right? Because you have human humans, yeah, on board, and then when they reversed, they had to do the same. In reverse, right? So whatever the acceleration time when you have gravity, while well, you have acceleration gravity, and uh, when you reverse, you would have it the same. So it was always equal. Exactly. So um, until we invent the inertial dampening fields and artificial gravity of Star Trek, we'll be limited in our speed, right? Even yeah. if you could uh, get to sublight. Yeah, so Artemis 2 will go, it will be 21 days, and they will fly by the moon. And um, Will they orbit it? Yeah, but it doesn't leave until November next year. Yeah, in still. Theory, in theory, right? And the Artemis 3, the Artemis 1, 2, and 3 is 2025. Still, that's not that far away. It's going to be, be the first crewed lunar landing. Uh, mission depends on support uh, a support mission to place a starship human landing system in place mm -hmm. in a near rectilinear halo orbit of the moon prior to the launch of the SLS Orion. So, so think gonna... of all the stupid nonsense that we talk about. Well, they have a four and a five plan. Yeah. I don't mean us, but I mean all the sh stuff we waste our time talking about. You know, as a we should be talking about we're going back to the moon. This should be like the first thing. On every news uh, broadcast. Mm -hmm. And by the way, folks, we're going back to the moon. I mean, this is exciting stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And from what I understand, a lot of what the what they're doing this for is to basically test some technology for the Martian mission. Yeah, right? and I think they want to try and uh, create a, 
a base and they want to see if they can get ice from the south polar moon moon craters right where there's supposedly water so like artemis 3 um is gonna they're gonna be on on the moon for six and a half days uh, at least two EVAs on the surface before they basically uh, um, return to rendezvous with Orion, which will be the ship that's flying around, and yep. will return the four astronauts to Earth. And that is Artemis three, and that's scheduled they... no later than December 2025. So is it like the old Apollo mission where one crew member stays with the Orion in orbit? Uh, that's more information than I have been able to glean. You would think, because it would be, be kind of spooky. I mean, not that oh, yeah. it makes that big a difference, but just psychologically, if all four of you get out, go down to the moon, and you're like, oh, we're just leaving the mothership all by itself. <laughs> that would be a you little... You know, technically, that it wouldn't be, really it not would, make that, that much of a difference. But it would be freaky. But psychologically, oh, yeah. just having somebody on it has a certain sense of comfort, right? Oh, yeah. Well, just... Like if something goes wrong, there's somebody there to try and fix it or yeah. whatever. I love what Michael Collins said about how uh, he was their ride home because <laughs> he's the he was the crew member oh, who yeah. stayed orbiting when when Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin went down. But at the same time, he had to be prepared to leave if if they had failed on the moon, if they hadn't been able to. <laughs> To get back, see right? he, he well, no, but that was that was yeah, part yeah. of the he he was he was to return without them. Could you imagine the psychological? That guy would have been so screwed psychologically. Like you, you, they're still alive on the moon, or maybe he would have waited. I don't know. That's I a good know. question. Would he have waited for them to die? Well, it's like the the uh... and Nixon had a written speech. If if it was successful, speech A. If they failed and died, speech B. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. I mean, serious stuff, man. I'm sure they'll have the same for Artemis. So yeah. it's not without risk. Oh, I think it's a big risk. I mean, it, what's really Would shocking... you do it? Would you go? No. No. I mean, I wouldn't do it now, but... If I was young, maybe. Um... Well, the moon mission is, is different because it's there and back. But yes. the first people to go to Mars. Yeah, I know. I would definitely like a permanent not. Permanent settlement. No, I mean, right now, I mean, I've. You and Elon. Yeah. We're, we're, we're like this. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm. That, sh that ship for me has sailed. I mean, I just, I get hurt just rolling out of bed. <laughs> so it's. So it's uh, I can't imagine putting so myself in harm's way on not, purpose. It's not a, yeah. <laughs> I get, I get in harm's way by accident. So it's so. not a fear of, uh, it's not a fear of dying. It's more of a practical reality. <laughs> practical reality is I'm in the, I'm in the, uh, the sunset of, of my, uh, super activeness. Okay. I'm in the go, go phase, but, but I'm not in the, I'm going to go to the moon. No, go, go phase. Dude, you got to change your attitude. Look at this woman who who skydove at 104. Well, there's some women that did. And then she died a week later, but. What? Yeah, she, she died? Passed, yeah, she passed away. Oh, you're kidding. No. <laughs> I, I I mean, at 104. Well, but still. Every like, day is a bonus. <laughs> well, it's, it, I always think about right? this with. The... I don't know what killed her, but. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. A week after she did the skydive thing. 
I think it was just like the last thing on her bucket list. And then she's like, well, fuck, I'm done. No point in she, hanging around. Yeah, she died. She did. Oh, my God. She dies after making the skydive that yeah. put her as. She hit by a bus or something. <laughs> really? No. That would be ironic. Yeah, but she did die. She did die. Wow. A week later. Yeah. 104. So young. Yeah, I mean, we say, well, what did she die from? It's like she died from being 104. <laughs> hey, this this goes into our discussion for today about elder care. Yeah, let's talk about elder care. So, <laughs> well, first of all, I have to just watching a, a meme, not a meme, but a video. Did you ever watch Ricky Gervais's uh, series on Netflix, Afterlife? I started to. I haven't. Oh. I haven't. Uh, I haven't. I, we started it and got interrupted. So good. Part of it you may recall is him and, and the photographer go right. Cause the premise is they work for this for a paper, a small paper. Yeah. A really small town paper. Of course his wife has passed away and he's all bitter, but the scenes where they go to different people, uh, these like little slices of life. And there's one where they're interviewing a, a, a lady in a old folks home who just turned a hundred mm-hmm. and she's just so bitter. <laughs> It's hilarious because they're like, uh, and you know, again, his character is, he's trying to kind of put his life back together. Right. So they're like, so how'd you feel when you got the letter, you know, from the queen? Cause I guess at the time when you turn a hundred in the UK, the Royal family sends you a letter. Okay. She's all like, ah, some, some secretary sent that it wasn't really the queen. I know, but still, you know, turning a hundred, it's kind of great. It's shite <laughs> every day. She just has this whole diatribe. Every day is misery. Everything hurts. It's just one week of diarrhea and three weeks of not being able to go to the bathroom at all. <laughs> she had any sense. She would have died a long time ago. And they're just, again, they're trying to make the best of it, right? It's like, well, what about your family? Oh, my family's dead. <laughs> but surely you have friends here at the home. I have no friends. They're all a bunch of C-U-N-T-S's. <laughs> Every time I outlive one, they bring another. <laughs> so at the end, he's just like, right, pick the picture. <laughs> Misery. So, uh, well, so so that touches on a bunch of things that are super interesting related to... El- so part of the issue, uh, as you get older... Uh, yes. especially if you uh, have dealt with uh, any elderly relatives is that you realize that people don't really think of themselves at old as old. They never really do um, until they're really, really quite old. Mm, and, um, and you always internally have a perception of yourself being about 20 years younger than you are. Right. Like there's this, and, and it's a, huh. so you even though you or might even younger in some cases. Yeah. But if you're, if you're 40, you still think you're like somewhere in your twenties. Right. If you're in your 50, you think you're like a 30 year old. If you're 60, you think you're like a 40 year old. Uh, so everybody's perception is about two decades. Sure. Late. And if you check your uh, Tinder profile, there are always pictures of you from two decades ago. <laughs> that's right. Um, that's just I a don't very f- bad joke. Can you, uh, can you declare your age as different, like you would a gender? Could you be like, 
<laughs> I'm a non-binary I'm age. A, I, I'm, I'm counting in I hexadecimal. Feel 25. <laughs> I'm a hexadecimal. So I insist that you treat me like I'm 25. <laughs> or you can count in hexadecimal. So yeah. I, yeah, I'm a 20F. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, um, so that is true. I mean, I so so, but but what ends up happening with a lot of people is, you know, they work their careers, they eventually retire, and then mistake uh, number one, and then they um, they get used to you know whatever their circumstances, but uh-huh. any changes that they have tend to be a bit more gradual. Right. And what they don't realize is that it's, you know, they start getting to a point because it is such a gradual thing. You get to a point where they're really struggling to manage. Um, Like with my father-in-law, we really like, so I never really experienced this with my parents because my parents died quite young. Yes. Actually, I'm the same age as my mom when she passed. Um, And, um, but, uh, but. But but Lori's parents were much older. Yes, her father um, in particular, right? Father, he was like ninety four, I think, when he passed. But right, he um, so he he was uh, suffering from Alzheimer's. One of the things with people with Alzheimer's, they can mask their circumstance. Like, it's not just masking outward; it's also masking inward. Mm. So you basically um, um, they don't realize that that there's problems sure um and and so and because of their familiar uh familiar setting they're in the same home and everything right they're just used to the way things work in their house and their home right so routine the routine takes over and and masks the fact that they can't remember things right and um so with him he was losing weight he was losing weight kind of precipitously and we were a bit concerned we couldn't figure out why and what we discovered was he was buying like crackers and cookies and chips. Uh-huh. And what would happen is he would eat those instead of like a regular meal. Right. And that would satiate his hunger. Sure. But no nutrition. But no nutrition. Um, Lori also, and, and, you know, there's just a lot of things you can mask by being in your, on your own, in your own house and not really have having people over right so Lori had an elderly uncle as well who uh he uh his wife died um when they were on a trip in turkey like she died at the breakfast table i think had a heart attack or something it was oh quite, my god quite horrific was this your uncle larry no this was art uncle art oh okay. and um this this happened quite some time ago and uh so so she passed, but she had basically been the one cleaning the house yeah. and dealing with food and all that stuff. So um, what happened is after she passed, um, like we didn't really know what was going on with Art. It seemed like he was okay. Um, but it turns out that he wasn't cooking any food. He was scared of cooking food. So he was only eating food that he could eat cold. Right. Uh, And uh, like he wasn't even using like a microwave. He was like really literally cold food. What was he afraid of? I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. We never really got a chance to ask him while he was still alive. Okay. Uh, Turns out he was also a bit of a hoarder. So we could have a seance next time. Well, yeah, we had Ouija board art. What was the problem? Like, like it literally was like from the, the, these TV shows about hoarders where you yeah. had to walk a path. Wow. There was stuff everywhere. 
And so it's a bit of a mental health thing. Yeah. And so he lived about 10 or 12 or 15 years after, um, after his wife. Man, that's a long time to eat cold food. Yep. Wow. Yep. And, uh, well, he would eat warm food when he came over to Christmas with us. But, it's like twice a year. But so, so there's the basically with a lot of elderly, you know, they tend to be alone. As you get yeah. older, your social circles tend to shrink quite of a course. bit because you don't get out. You're yep. not involved with things as much because you're not as mobile. Um, you know, you stop driving so you don't go places. And, and, and these all accumulate to a circumstance where um, people don't really realize that they're they need help until there's some sort of medical crisis sure so from a elder elder care perspective um one thing that's really useful is to kind of have a bit of a bit of a plan um and you know it's easy to talk about it it's hard really super hard to implement it absolutely Uh, and often really difficult to talk about with the people involved right but um, like uh, like Lori also had an elderly aunt, and she was quite pragmatic about it, right? So we had talked about it because it became really clear that if you don't plan for where you're going to go in the event of a medical emergency, or if you don't have somebody there to support you, yep, um, decisions will be made without w- without your involvement. Yes. Right. Like when you've been when you've had some sort of like a car accident or something like that, and if you don't have anybody there to help you. Yeah. Decisions are made by bureaucrats and hospital administrators. And, sure. And processes in place. Yep. And if you don't have an advocate, um, whoever that advocate it's is. It's not the best. It is not the best. Yeah. So when uh, my mother-in-law had a stroke and this was a long time ago, this was like 90, 1990. So she oh, wow. had, she had that a stroke. Long back? Oh yeah, she had a stroke and she lived for like twenty five years post stroke, which is unheard of. It's usually right. like five. And um, but she had a stroke. Um, so that was the medical crisis. She was still relatively young. She's probably about sixty. Um, and um, she uh, ended up um, going into the first nursing home that was available. Yeah, this is not. Atypical, right? Yeah. So, so, at least as a first start, if you don't have family to kind of, and it was horrific, move you into the better place. It was, it was, yeah. it was awful. Like right. she was sharing a room with two other people at uh, a nursing home that you know is not particularly well regarded. I don't even know if it's still around. And um, and um, but then she could get on a list for a place that she would prefer. So right. Larry's aunt, on the other hand, decided where she wanted to go. Sure. Visited them. Yep. Got on a list because a lot of these places have waiting lists. Absolutely. Yeah. So she was living yep. on her own, uh, got on a waiting list and actually her name came up, right? They said, well, are you ready? And she said, no, I'm not quite ready yet. Can you just pause it for a bit? And they did and they paused it. So she was still at the top of the list. She just wasn't number one. Right. And then like six months later, she ended up being ready to move. She decided sure. she was ready to move. Moved into this thing and uh, yeah, it was um, so, and you know, it was the last two or three years of her life. Right. But she really, it was good. It was really good. Sure. And uh, yeah. so the problem you have is that if you ignore <laughs> it, which most people ignore it, they don't want to believe that they're going to be in a nursing home. 
Um, the other thing with nursing homes is that um, they're really not designed for couples. So if you yeah, and your spouse right. still survive, basically um, there isn't, uh, well, at least in Canada, People as far often as I know, getting separated. Yeah. they end up being separated. Yeah. You can't spend time with the person you've spent your entire life with. I know. It's, uh, it's really incredibly sad. It is. Well, I think it's a societal thing, right? I was just thinking of uh, there's still a lot of cultures where you have that multi-generational yes. cohabitation and I'm listening to you talk about your father-in-law, you know, that's not as likely to happen if, if grandma and grandpa are, are living with the kids and, and the grandkids, you know, as they get older, they'll be fed, right? Be like, yeah, yeah. here you go, here's a plate of whatever, right? Whereas we, <laughs> part of our of our stigma around anything other than youth, which I think is kind of maybe getting a little bit reduced. I don't know for sure, but, um, but certainly historically, you know, it's always been youth, youth, youth. So we've taken old people and we've kind of like eliminated them from the equation. Well, we shuttered them away. Wind, you know, they wind up kind of like they used to do with, with people with mental health issues back in the 19th century, just like put them away. And it's crazy. So you can see exactly what you're talking about. When you think you know, about it, I what mean. What a way to end. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, it's turned around. So your parents take care of you growing up. And in a different culture, different age um, or era, um, then the expectation would be that the kids would take care of the parents when yeah, they needed it. Absolutely. But now parents are an inconvenience. Yes. You know, kids have their own lives, their own things, and they don't, you know, maybe they see, I mean, I, I mean, I, 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 I deal with this with our son is that, um, I mean, he's going to choose his own path. Um, the expectation that he's going to take care of us, it, it's not a reasonable expectation. It, oh, I'm it, totally telling my kids I'm moving in with them. <laughs> well, you, be can, prepared. you can tell them. The question is Keep whether they're space. going to actually do that. And every time I do something that ticks off victory, he tells me the quality of care home is going to put me in. It's just gone down another level. <laughs> exactly. Orange crates and applesauce, old man. So, so, nice. uh, so, I mean, part of... Um, I've been reading or and watching some stuff about uh, sort of retirement and retirement planning and what what you really need to do um, for um, for how to plan to make sure you don't run out of money. Yeah, kind of well, that's a huge concern. For and us there right are uh, there are ways to plan it so yeah. you actually get you know to deal with when you collect CPP, uh, collecting right. old age security. Well, that's why this crazy APP thing is so fucking terrifying. Yeah, it's it, not it that it, Yeah, it's it, not that it, it's it a is. huge amount, but it's enough to say if well, that goes poof. Well, it's it's substantial, right? Like CPP is like fifteen hundred dollars a month. Yeah, I mean that it's nothing to sneeze at. No, that's right. And. Um, um, and I only know that because, and that's if I claim it at 65, I think that's about, it's either 1500 or 1700 and, and it changes quite dramatically. The earlier you go, it drops a yeah, lot and the later right. you go, it does. Yeah, exactly. So, and there may be incentives to do it earlier or to do it later. You, you actually need to think about it, about when you want it, when you need it. And, and, uh, and even with financial planning, part of it is like, when do you, 
draw from your RSPs? <laughs> when do you draw from your TFSA? And what the order is and uh, how much money is yeah. enough? Well, and- we did some math. We have about like nine months worth of savings in our RSPs. So we got some building to do. We're going to be working for a while. <laughs> but there again, you cannot assume, right? Because no. people's health, like. Well, and if you have a fair bit of money, you don't sne- want it all in RSPs. No, no, no. But we're we're both sneaking up on 60. Pretty healthy. And most of my family have lived well into their 80s. You know, mm-hmm. so genetically, I'm, I'm actually probably okay. Knock on wood, you, ne- you never can tell. But yeah, once you hit 60 and all that, I don't know. It starts to be a bit of a different equation. Yeah, I'm not saying definitely. every day that you're above ground is a blessing. Not quite there, but it's not to be taken quite as for granted as when you're in your thirties. right? Well, and, and, you know, I think a lot of these uh, financial planners basically talk about having a budget and having a plan and how, how much you're going to spend and when you're going to spend it. And, and the idea is that you generally spend more in the first 10 years and uh, less in the next 10 years and then more in the last 10 years. And oh, is that right? Last 10 years related to medical issues. Sure. And, um, and uh, not so much travel in the first 10 years is more travel and mm-hmm. doing the stuff you want to do. Right. But, the, um, but the, the problem is like my wife and I have never budgeted or dealt with budgets. We've been very fortunate. Um, yeah. And so I'm a bit concerned about that because the, the whole issue of when you collect CPP and how you decide and all that stuff, that's all a planning thing that is. Yeah. Way more detailed than we I got to say, I, I've been, so I've met a few people who work for uh, uh, one of the, I'm not going to name it because they're not a sponsor, but you know, like our financial planners. I mean, we only name people that are sponsors. That's right. Our financial <laughs> planners that we've been using is this sort of private kind of fund and, and they're okay. I mean, it was really a big hit for me to have to cash in that RSP, right? Mm-hmm. So we're behind the eight ball now, but not that we were necessarily in great position, but it's even worse. But uh, these other folks, it's a bit more Main Street, you know, some it's an organization. Well, it's investors group that I think some people sort of kind of poo-poo a little. Well, the thing, but, the thing with the investors group is that they only sell their own stuff. True. Well, no, actually, absolutely. If uh, At the lower end, but these guys are a little bit higher in their, in their wealth management. Mm-hmm. Uh, very comprehensive planning. Like I've found that our financial planners have not necessarily been very, they're a little bit like our accountant, like they sort of do the bare minimum. You know, they run the spreadsheet or the model. Whereas I was talking to these guys and they, they appear to use a very, a lot more dynamic planning model. They look at all sorts of different stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm just finding that the people that we've been dealing with, very nice people, but it just, it seems very limited in... Well, this is the problem I have with, with most accountants as well. Mm-hmm. You know, accountants don't typically, when you're dealing with business owners, you know, provide proactive advice. And I find that with the financial planner, it's a little bit like that too, right? Well, there's like the- you look at it and they're like, yeah, so you, you know, you need to contribute more. Well, great, but it's not like we're holding back here. Like, you know, so what do we do if we can't? Right? Oh, well, then, you know, the model shows there's going to be a shortfall. Okay. And what do we do about that? And certainly we cannot be the only people that are in a position where they haven't saved enough, you know, and there's thousands of people. So I think we need more, uh, I think we need more proactive planning. Well, there's this uh, software and I think you have to find a financial advisor that actually uses it. 
but it's super cool because it, right. it's uh, designed for Canadians. Okay. So it's definitely got a Canadian flavor. So it will right. look at OAS, CPP, RSPs, right. NETFSAs, um, and uh, as well as tax implications. So ah. it does the whole thing. What's it called? It's called, uh, the software is called Conquest. Ah. Um, I was watching some, I don't know, my YouTube feed has all of a sudden started getting... Uh, so are you using this with your planners? No. Oh. And uh, but I've seen it, and it uh, I've seen how it works. So it, it like because I've seen a bunch of YouTube's uh, Canadian financial planners okay. that are using it, and they'll show how it works and how certain decisions affect right uh, how long you can last and what you need to do and how to manage expectations. The whole works. And uh, the interesting thing about it is that um, so. I, I so uh, I had uh, two separate, so I have a life insurance thing, um, and they offered financial planning as part of this because of, anyway it's a long story but anyway so through Manulife you know yep. they offered like the package where yep, you get yep, yep. free financial advice really because they're kind of hoping that you'll go invest with them. Um, I also with ATB we have. Because all, most of our assets are with ATB. ATB offers for their special clients, like these extra services, including like will planning and dealing with your will, yep. as well as financial planning. And, you know, both of these two approaches, they came up and said, you should, you, you can retire. You're, you're good. Which nice. is how I arrived at the decision. Um, but it these this is these this conquest thing is quite a different approach because it's actually getting into the nitty-gritty of the financial and not using simple financial models they're using much more sophisticated financial right. models right right uh and uh and looking at you know so you can change when you start collecting cpp and that change will affect how much you're you're collecting Absolutely. based upon your specific circumstances sure so um, uh, I've been toying with the idea of trying to find somebody who so actually. So can you use it yourself or no, is it recommended? I, I think, I think, it's a tool that financial I think it's a, planners use. I think use. it's too expensive to, to ah, do yourself. I think you get it like as an enterprise. Uh, unless you're a jibillionaire. Well, unless you're At which got point? multiple clients and then, yeah, yeah, it's a per, per client license. So yeah. uh, one of the financial planner people, we were at the exit planning network last week and they made a comment. It was really funny. And I said, I got to put that on a t-shirt and it said, uh, wealthy people have tax problems. And I thought that's a great thing to have on a t-shirt. That's true. <laughs> Especially, you know, Oh, I wish I had tax problems. <laughs> you know, I was like, you think it's easy being wealthy? We got tax problems. <laughs> right. um, Sitting on a bench. The guy's like, I haven't had a, I haven't had any food in a week. You think you got it hard? I don't know if I should be, you know, going with a regulated TFSA or like I've got real problems on my hands, buddy. Well, I guess <laughs> I guess the overall theme of uh, of of this episode was that um, I mean, part of it old is people suck. No, <laughs> that's not it. I, get, I missed the point. Getting old sucks. Sucks. It definitely sucks. But 
the part of it is is there's you should have a bit of a plan because oh, yeah, because absolutely. two things you perceive yourself as being 20 years younger than you actually mm. are you don't notice the changes because they're gradual over time so right. you don't really see unless what's you, going unless on. you're going bald <laughs> or if you've already gone bald um and that's then a pretty shocking realization oh and, my god and, and most people ignore the fact they're going to die I mean, you cannot. Well, it's not a pleasant thought. You cannot live your life being fearful of dying, but it is something that everybody <laughs> encounters. <laughs> so, having a plan for um, either for yourself yeah. or for the elderly, um, elderly relatives, and dealing with elder care is uh, super important. As right. well as uh, making sure that the financial stability for either them or for you is in place to Absolutely. deal with the uh, challenges that may come come forward. Well, and and yeah, a certain amount of control, right? So we could get into you know uh, personal directives, and again, the number of people that don't have those things in place, I think, is pretty high. Well, I right? don't know if I mentioned this previously, but like when I was in Portugal. Because they have such a, a rigid system of okay. inheritance and how it works. Oh, yeah. Almost nobody in Portugal has a will. Really? Because... They don't need one. They don't really need one. The government has kind of mandated what happens. And so when somebody dies, it all... It, it's not automatic, but it is um, prescriptive. Ah, interesting. So uh, even lawyers that do wills don't have wills. Wow. So it's... That's crazy. It's, so it's quite shocking yeah uh <laughs> i was reminding of ricky gervais i can't remember which of his specials but he talks about you know taking care of yourself right mm -hmm. you know, like he's uh eat too much drink too much right and everybody's like you could live 10 years longer if you took better care of yourself but he's like yeah but it's not the it's not the good 10 years right <laughs> he's like like give me another 10 years in my 20s and like i'm there right yeah, but it's exactly. that last 10 years it's that it's the, it's that shitty 10 years that you get, yeah. Do I really want to live that ten years? That's you true. Know? And there's a there's a, a a question about that. So, so I think, which reminds me, and I I don't remember, but there's a book. Uh, this was sort of like a health, uh, nutrition sort of guy, and he had this great graph, and he says this is what you want to try to, uh, uh aspire to, right? So 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 most people who don't take care of themselves, it's a little bit like we're talking about. Maybe they think they're going to live forever. Right. And you can graph it. So you get into your thirties and then there's this sort of slow degenerative, right. You lose muscle mass and yeah, all yeah. this shit. Right. And then it's this long, really kind of painful for some people slide into till you finally die. He's like, if you can achieve the opposite, which is the graph and you stay, yes, there's a little bit of degeneration because you are getting older. Right. But much less. And then all of a sudden at the very end, just, it's this rapid, like, like just almost a vertical drop. Because that's what you want to sort of aspire to, because this is somebody who, you know, you might live into your 80s or 90s or whatever, you know, and then like one day you're you're done, you're walking, and then two days later you're gone, right? But he or goes, you're but 100, that's, 104 and you're yeah. skydiving, and then a few days later you're gone, you're dead. That's really what we want to try to aspire to, yeah. and I can see that, right? It's if, you know, barring some degenerative, like my mother had um, Parkinson's, yeah. There's not much you can do about that. No. But uh, but well, even there, I think people are starting to try to maximize, you know, how long they stay mobile. And there's a certain amount of not giving in, yeah. I think. Well, I think that's, it. that's important is to try and keep pushing and 
stay active. And but anyway, on that happy note, try not to die till uh, next week. What media have you been consuming? We'll uh, City Primeval, the Justified. Uh, you finished re- it all? No, I'm about halfway through. It's quite okay. good. Okay. Yeah, and uh, you've got me watching Rebels. Oh yeah, yeah. It's pretty so good. It is pretty good. It's surprisingly, I'm good. only into like beginning season one here well you know the thing i found about it is that it had much better stories than i normally associate with like cartoons yeah so i mean or star wars for that yeah or star wars star wars you know just seemed like oh it's amazing how if you look at clone wars and then and like rebels like they were really doing some good storytelling yeah with, with continuity yeah until disney came in with this reboot uh, Force Awakens, which wasn't bad, but the other three, two movies, just been garbage. Um, well, I didn't think we were that bad. They but... were garbage. Yeah. In oh. terms of narrative and 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 well, sort I of think the whole. The real issue is that the they kind of especially the third one they kind of screwed things up when they basically you know so having a female lead was not a problem. No, no, no. But having it end the way it did so that it. Like everything ends, right? Like it's, uh, I, I always think about this with Star Wars. So in Star Wars, basically the bad guy wins, right? The, so, so um, I mean, you have a point in time when, when, um, when, uh, you know, Darth Vader gets defeated and, and gets rid of uh, um, the, Emperor. the Emperor. And that's quite optimistic, right? Because yes. things are going to get better. And then they go back and you have like the first, the first order, order and, and then, uh, the bad guys win again. And then right? Palpatine comes back. And, and sure, the rebels manage to do damage and stuff like that. But at no point in time in the Star Wars world is it kind of good. Yeah. Like it's kind of okay at times. The New Republic comes in, but it's incompetent. It, uh, yeah. they, you know, they, 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 they're soft. They're too nice. And they well, get I, th- taken I think over. the problem with the new movies has been and it's not uncommon you know george lucas had he had the narrative planned out yeah and this is where marvel was doing well and now they've kind of lost you know the foot off the pedal a bit but with star wars it was clear that they did the first one and then they kind of changed a bunch of elements because people were like well this sucks and then they tried to fix it and then that third one because uh, Ryan Johnson did the second one, and he was supposed to do the third, but mm-hmm. nobody liked the second one, so they get rid of him. And then sort of you have that real sense of it's the opposite of George Lucas having a definitive story arc in mind, and they're just like, well, and there let's was, bring back Palpatine. And well, people and there was, are like, there what? There was, Why? There Where was, does it come from? Exactly. So Palpatine <laughs> kind of wins. Like, he came back. I mean, sure, he lost, but then instead of having a hero, the hero, which is, is, uh, is, uh, what was her name? Ray. Ray. Yeah. Is somehow related to Palpatine. So it's like, right. you know, it's like they win. Like the Where bad she guys wasn't win. at first. She wasn't in the first, first movie. But this is what I mean. They're just kind of like, it's like, when you start making stuff up as you go, it doesn't usually <laughs> turn out to be a good story. Well, right? and, and, uh, there was this high expectations after the second, because, Mark Hamill was kind of there. Luke Skywalker was going to yeah. save. And then all of a sudden, it's kind of a letdown in the, the last one. Because he, he's there, but barely there. Yes. I mean, he's not the hero that everybody wanted. No. 
You know, these aren't the heroes you're looking for. Exactly. So, yeah, he anyway. sacrifices himself. And- I'll tell you what I watched. I rewatched uh, Captain Marvel. That's a good movie. I really enjoyed Brie it. Larson? With Brie Larson? With Brie Larson. She I, was really good. She has gotten such a bad rap. Well, that was all these uh, trolls that were, because they, and they do this for any yeah. female Well, she's led. a little outspoken. Yeah. And and good on her. Now, I'm a little worried about the Marvels. Like, it's not getting good. But again, I think there's a bit of the troll sphere that is, like, poo-pooing it before it comes out. Yeah, so, yeah. definitely going to go see it. Yeah. I would definitely uh, go see But it. Captain Marvel, yeah, the de-aging of, of uh, Samuel L. Jackson was, is, is it's pretty really amazing. well done. It's well done. You know? The whole thing, and even Coulson, when he's yeah. de-aged, and, you know. And, it, well, it, the relationship between her and Nick Fury. And, and It's all great. It's a good movie. Yeah. Um, ben Mendelsohn, you know, and yeah. then the, sort of the surprise twist. Well, at the very you know? end. And the very, so it's good. In the very end when they do the extra the post-credit scene where, where the, you know, they have, they're trying to keep powering up this pager so that it yes. can, and it just stops working. Right. And they're going like, why did it stop working? I don't understand why it was, what we, how can we get this going again? And then she's right there. It's reason it's not there working is because she's here. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. and, um, anyway, um, um anyway that's it let's wrap it up sounds we good went a little long but uh i think it was really useful talking about old people <laughs> it's an old topic it's but, an uh, old topic yeah. and it's not going away no um have a great week yeah try to stay alive <laughs> <laughs> <Do it>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye <laughs> <laughs>